Welcome to the best show in the world. It's called Damn Mom Really, also known as the show that nobody wants to be on and everybody wants to listen to. My name is Danae Reed and I'm going to be the host of this show for the next hour. So sit back and relax and listen to us laugh, cry, yell, curse, do whatever we got to do to get through the grief of losing our mamas. This beat that you're listening to was made by Scott Reed Jr. Y'all are in the only place that you're supposed to be right now because this is the best show in the world. It's called Damn Mom Really. My name is Danae and I am here with Angel Moreau Brown, who is an author, a life coach, and just does so many things that we couldn't even get on the same page about how to introduce her before she came on. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Angel. How are you doing today? And tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, That was a pretty comical intro there. (laughs) Um, So first of all, I am a daughter of the Most High. I have to give honor to God, who is the head of my life, because he's the reason why I'm able to have this conversation today. So um, first of all, that is who I am, first and foremost. Um, I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm a friend. I am a lover and representative of growth, of life, of strength, of love my day job. So I work in banking, but I'm not a banker. I am also an adjunct professor and I'm also a mind shifting life coach. I am also a co-host to a podcast called the grieving journey podcast. Mm -hmm. And I am an author. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much who I am. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you have a lot going on, Angel. How are you doing today though? Um, I'm pretty good. I'm ready to get into this this conversation with you. Absolutely, absolutely. So I know you've, you know, me and you have touched base in the past, and I know you've listened to the show before. What are you anticipating, if anything? I would just say that I hope that anytime I share my story, I hope that it helps someone else along their journey. So mm-hmm. that's that's really it. I just hope that someone who's going through it or know someone who's going through it is able to share the story with somebody else to impact them just to help them get through their journey and let them know that they're not alone. Where do you fit in other people's journey? Where do you fit in your own journey? You know, where does, why, why do you feel like you're the person who's able to become a, a part of other people's stories in a way that allows them to move I don't like to say move on, but move forward? I would just say um, I fit into it because of the loss of my mom and some of the things that I've been doing to try to not only heal myself on a journey, but help others heal is the podcast and also life coaching. I started life coaching after my mom transitioned and more specifically, I'm a mind shift like life coach. So I help people to shift their thoughts, which is something that I had to do in order for me to really get or begin the healing journey. So Mm. to add to it is when when it first happened for me, I was stuck. Um, I had this idea of what grief and bereavement looked like. Like I thought it was like a process that had a beginning and an end. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that it didn't, and I started to realize that so many other people think that way, I wanted to be a part of helping people to not think that way. Because if you think that way, then you find yourself stuck and you're unable to move forward and you think you move forward. Um, And I I realized that even because I didn't have my dad growing up and I realized I had that same mindset with him. Like it was the beginning and the end and then it was over. And then Mm -hmm. I kind of washed my hands of it and thought that I was done with it when I wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know. So um, I think that because I I can resonate with so many people who may have thought that way, 
Mm-hmm. And now that I don't think that way and I understand what it takes to like really start to move forward, um, that's where I am on the journey and, and where I want to be as it relates to helping others. Yeah, I definitely relate to that whole idea of having an I an idea of what grief looks like or what it should feel like or how long it should take. Because before losing my mom, I hadn't really had grief that was great enough or at least great as great as uh, the grief that I feel about my mom. Like, you know, I've grieved like moving away from home in that way. And mm-hmm. I've grieved a pet even. And I've, you know, so throughout life, of course, we like experience grief in different ways. But I had never really understood what that meant to grieve something mm-hmm. so heavily before losing my mom. And so I definitely was shook up and I still feel that way a lot of times because I did think that grief looked like something that it does not. Like I thought that it was this continuous Mm -hmm. thing. I thought that it was depression all the time and all these different things that I don't experience all the time. And so it became really confusing for me when I wasn't exuding what I thought that grief was supposed to look like. Um, So I definitely Mm -hmm. resonate with you on that point. How long did it take for you to realize that grief does not have a an ending? I would say considerably quick, be, only because I started therapy as soon as my mom transitioned. Like mm-hmm. I knew that it was something that I needed. I knew that I knew I needed support. Um, I knew that I had God, and it, and at the time I thought that well, because I have God, because I know that you know while my mom isn't physically present, she's still spiritually with me. You know, I thought that if I had that in my mind that I would get over it quick. So Mm -hmm. I didn't think grief was like depression and all of that. I mean, I thought it was a period of depression, but then you get over it. Mm -hmm. And when I wasn't getting over it, I'm like, okay, when is this going to end? Like, you know, I believe in God. I believe my mom's in heaven. I believe she's watching over me. Why am I not over this yet? Mm -hmm. So um, because I went to therapy immediately and we were able to identify that thought process that I had, I think I was able to figure that out within the first couple of months of, okay. you know, going to therapy. Okay. Shout out to you, Angel. She got a <laughs> so Do you sweet. think that, do you think that as a person who grew up, I don't, I don't want to say solely with your mom, but she was your primary parent, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. As somebody who grew up with your mom as your primary parent, do you think that losing her kind of exacerbated the way that you might have been feeling about not having your dad, even though you didn't know that you felt that way? Um, that's a good question. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe. Um, that That's a really good question. I, I mean, at some point with my father, uh, so my father was incarcerated for majority of my life, and that's actually what my book was about, about being fatherless. Um, and when he when he uh, got out of prison, we tried to build a relationship. It was a challenge because he wanted to come out and be dad. Mm. And I, I called him William. You know, <laughs> he was not <laughs> he was not that. And my book was actually called Fatherless Daughter, and he didn't understand that because he's like, I'm alive. Fatherless means dead, which is crazy now because he's no longer living. So, mm. um, you know, just to even think about my life, like writing that book, and then where I am now. But I will say, like, you know, at some point, I had to understand, even with him, like. 
the person that he was when I quote unquote said that he left me as a child and incarcerated is not the same person that he was when he got out of prison. Right. And he had to go on a journey as well. So, I mean, I, I could, I could see that. Okay. okay. I could see that. You know, we, we like to get honest and we like to get real on the podcast. So. Hey, listen, I'm with it. <laughs> Okay, so I mean, you do have this book, Fathers Daughters, which can be found on Amazon. Shameless plug for you. <laughs> Thank you. Obviously, you were grieving the loss of your father, but loss of his physical presence, not because he had passed, but because he just wasn't around. Mm-hmm. And then you have your mom who passed. Would mm-hmm. you use motherless the same way that you would have used fatherless back when you wrote this book? No. Okay. Two different, two different um, contexts for me. Because even to have to agree, my father just passed last year. So my mother That's passed first and then, thank you. Then my father passed the year after her. So it was two different grieving processes. Now, what I will say is grieving my father was a lot different than grieving my mother because I felt like I had already gone through mm. like the process and understood what I needed to do to get through the process. Mm-hmm. So when it happened for him, I was more so grateful that the last words I said to him was, I love you, because we've had so many tumultuous conversations that yeah. that didn't have to be the last one, you know? So I don't look at it the same, though. No. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. How do you keep your faith in God in the midst of so much turmoil? Um, Because I understand the cycle of life. Like, you know, we're not, we're not going to be here forever. And that's just reality. Um, at some point, we have to leave this earth and... God just wanted my my parents a little bit sooner, I guess, you know, so I think that knowing that and then my life has really, there's been so many good things that have happened in my life since my mom has transitioned. I was just talking to someone yesterday and saying that, you know, my mother is able to support me in a way that she wasn't able to while she was on this earth. So I attribute that, I, I attribute a lot of the things that have happened for me to her, you know. Um, and in the way that she's been guiding me and supporting me in my life, that's why I say I'm a lover uh, or a representative of love and strength because because of her and because mm. of the fact that she's here with me and I feel an obligation to like exude her and make her happy even though she's not physically present. Mm. Do you feel in that regard that your life is more of a responsibility now than you felt that it was before she transitioned? Yeah, in a way, but more so like uh, it's like, I am like, I understand that life is too short and I have, I have control over my life and my mother, she didn't get a chance to experience everything that, you know, she wanted to experience. I mean, she, she transitioned all of a sudden and she was pretty young. So I have a responsibility to live. That's how I feel. Like, you know, we go to work, we, do we have a very repetitive life most of us we get up we go to work go uh come home do maybe some extracurriculars and then go to sleep and do it all over again and her transitioning just taught me that like it taught me to choose me choose life choose love choose to do the things that I want to do in in addition to the things that I have to do because I gotta work (laughs) so (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) but yeah yeah. And thank you for sharing that. I know we have in common the fact that we both lost our mothers pretty suddenly. And surprisingly enough, I don't really talk to that many people with that story. 
And so I wanted to know from your perspective, how did that shift your perspective on life or the way that you think about life? You know, she's here one second and suddenly she's not. And it it feels like what's going on. I want to know from your standpoint, from your viewpoint, how you see that. Um, I see it as like it can happen to anybody. You know, it can happen to me. So it makes me want to not live life with regrets. Not looking at life as, or things that happen in life as mistakes or looking at everything as a, a learning moment. Like, you know, um, really loving on the people who are around me. I honestly think that I have made some amazing friendships in the last couple of years. You know, the people who have supported me through this, whether it just be like, hey, what you doing? Let's go out and get something to eat. Or, yeah. you know, people just loving on me. It just made me really appreciate the time that I have on this earth. And, and you know, since she transitioned, I started traveling. Like, you know, okay. I had my passport for like five or six years before she transitioned and I had only used it once. So wow. when she transitioned, I'm like, I'm going to... I'm going to travel because that's what she wanted to do, you know, mm -hmm. and she didn't have the opportunity to do it. So for me, it's just really about being intentional, living life on purpose and not having regrets, um, giving, extending myself grace. That was something that was really hard for me. A big one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, at, but after I learned to do that, I had to, or, or I wouldn't be here. So it's like, it's, I mean, it, it, so many things came from it, like really loving people, like, mm. and receiving the love. Like I wasn't always the best receiver of love and knowing like what I deserve and not just from like, you know, relational standpoint, but just in life, like understanding what I put out is what I get back. Like, it's just so many things that just became so much more clear. It's like, you talk about these things, we rattle off quotes all the time, but yeah. when you actually sit in that and understand like the impact of that, yeah, that's what that's what I would say um, where I am now. <laughs> I think that love in general is one of those things that it's like you kind of like we were talking about earlier, you have this idea of what things are and it is that on the surface. But when you sit in things, they become more robust and they have more meaning. And, you know, since I've lost my mom, I've been thinking about love in the same ways that you have and just how transformative it really is. And I, I I always knew that my mom loved me like I knew and I, I mean not even just her I knew the people around me loved me but I don't think that I was able to fully see the depths of that until I lost my mom as well mm -hmm. yeah I mean and it, it shows you the people who support you but then it also shows you the opposite too so like my tribe has definitely changed mm -hmm. you know since then and I'm not like I, I I find myself not even really being as like I would say I was a little angry before. <laughs> I'm not even like mom, you mean or yeah I mean yeah. and I don't think I I I recognize it as that, but I find myself being a lot more calm just in general, mm -hmm. um, just about things that probably would have agitated me before. Yeah. And that was even like with my father, like, you know, there were things about him that probably would have agitated me before. And then, you know, after my mom transitioned now, that's not to say we didn't have our issues after, but <laughs> I I handled it a lot different than what I would have prior to. And I just think that is me exuding my mom. Like mm. my mom was my best friend. When I tell mm. you, like, we talked every single day, 
We talked yeah. every day and we lived in two different states. So we text every day. The day that she passed, we talked, you know, yeah. so and she was fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, we had a good conversation. We laughed. She gave me advice. My mother was my prayer warrior, like my ride or die. Like she was every my hit my healing partner. Like she was everything for me. So, yeah. I don't even remember what the question was that I was answering, but <laughs> you know what? But, Sometimes the tangent takes you exactly where you're supposed to get. So I do not mind at all. I like <laughs> just like that too. And I'm soaking up these words because I relate to that so heavily. Like my mom is also my everything. We also lived in two different States and mm-hmm. I talked to her all day, every day. It's like people would make jokes like, Oh, did they got to go call her mom again? Like I, <laughs> it was, you know, to that, to that magnitude. And so to hear somebody else talk about their mom in that way is really special for me because I don't really get that chance very often. And just on the mm. note of things, not you not taking things as seriously, I think that, you know, losing my mom has taught me that as well. I mean, when she was here physically, she would, you know, always say, oh, it's not that deep. It's not that deep. You know, okay, whatever. But now I've realized like it really isn't. And I have conversations with friends and sometimes it's a little difficult for me because I don't always want to seem like I'm being like, I don't like to call it devil's advocate, but like, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to seem like a contrary and I don't want to say that your feelings aren't valid because I'm not saying that, but it's just like the energy that you're putting into this is not necessary. And just talking about lending grace to ourselves, I think it's also taught me to lend more grace to other people as well because Mm -hmm. things aren't ever as simple as they seem. You know, it's not as simple as somebody not talking to you. I mean, it's usually something deeper than that. And so I, I've i learned a lot in the loss of my mom as well. And hearing you reflect that, that's why I'm saying I don't mind. Because like hearing you reflect <laughs> that, I'm like, I get it. You know, I also talked to my, I was right next to my mom when she passed. I get it. I, I yeah, obviously yeah. I don't fully understand because we haven't lived the same life, but I do right. get yeah. the gravity of that. And it sounds like your faith has been the thing that anchors you. And for me, it's kind of, my faith has been flipped so much upside down, which is kind of, I want to get more back into the things that you do in that regard and the way that you think spiritually. And even like this idea of flipping people's mind process, because maybe you can flip my mind in this second. But, you know, I, I understand that you've always known that you've had God and you know, you understand like, that that body and spirit coincide until they don't. But how in the midst of all of this, did you not get jaded by the facts of life? Did you not get jaded by the facts that you lost your mom so suddenly? Did you not get jaded by just God in general and what you might've thought that, you know, he promised you? Absolutely. I mean, I wasn't always what I am right now. <laughs> I mean, when, when, when my mom, when my mom transitioned, I was absolutely mad at God. Mm. and I didn't understand, you know, while I was mad at him, I never lost faith in him. I will say that, but I was definitely mad. Like, you know, I was just talking to her today. You know, she was just praying for me earlier today. She was just giving me advice earlier today. And thankfully um, I had surgery in September, 2021. And she actually flew and spent some time with me during that time. So I think she spent like two weeks with me, then and then in October, I went home and spent like a week or so with her and then she transitioned in November. So okay. I'm really grateful to have had that time. And I always reflect back to that because I'm like, you know, God is so intentional 
And it didn't have to be that way. I didn't have to spend that time with her in September and October prior to, you know, I didn't have to talk to her the same day and her give me some advice that I didn't even realize at the time would be resonating with me right now today. You know what I mean? So it's like, I try to reflect back on the things that I'm grateful for that didn't have to happen that I think that God was instrumental in versus thinking about, because again, I look at it like, you know, all of us have a, a expiration date. We don't know when that date is. I can't predict it. So, I, I mean, I mean, I never would have thought, you know, it would have happened that way for my mother, but I don't know how it's going to happen for me. So, and knowing that, and then also something that, like, like I said, my mom was my prayer warrior. So anything, anytime I was going through anything, I called her first. Like I didn't mm-hmm. pray first. I went straight to her and her transitioning has forced me to talk to God first. And that is what has strengthened my relationship with him because I don't have that person to talk to like I did then. You know, I could call my mom while she was at work and she would either stop and pray for me then or send me a text message prayer. And it's like, okay, now what am I going to do? You know, so I knew that I always knew that God was there regardless to anything, even when I was mad at him. And this just helped me to lock in with him even more. And you know, talk to him even more. And I mean, I still talk to my mom, you know, I still feel her presence. I still know that she's here, you know, so I talk to her too, but I know that, you know, with everything that has happened or any, um, any negative situation that may come up now, like God is always there with me. He's always guiding me. Like I feel him so much more and hear him so much more clear now than I've ever heard him. But I think it's because I wasn't really talking. I was talking to him, but mm-hmm. I, like I said, I was talking to my mom and then talking to him, you know? So <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm just sitting here smiling. Cause I relate to that so much. Like, and I talked to my mom too. And my mom is very heavily in the church and, you know, and, I, I'm still in a space where I talk to my mom first and then I talk to God. Maybe I might be like, oh yeah, what's up to you too? I'm trying to get out <laughs> I'm just being completely honest right now. I mean, but my listen. mom will, yeah. My mom will always say to me though, like, girl, talk to God first and you can talk to me after. And so I definitely hear her in that way too. And I was always really a big believer in the idea of like spirit being omnipresent in that way. And so mm-hmm. to experience her in that way has been really special. And I think for me, it's like I, I, I don't deny that God exists. Like I know that God exists. It's just like I don't really know what to say or how to say it. And I think it took a long time for me to realize that I was angry with God or maybe even punishing God, you know, with my disdain or with my um, just ignoring And it took me a long time to get to that point. I finally got there. So now it's like, what do you do with that after that? But, you know, hearing you talk, I'm like, well, maybe there's still hope for me. (laughs) You know what? And I I didn't even think about the conversation going this way, but um, there was a time in my life where I was in a depressive state, not when when my mom transitioned, but before that. Mm -hmm. And in a depressive state to the point where I didn't want to be here anymore. Yeah, And the fact that I have not experienced that since my mother transitioned, let me know that God is real. 
Mm. Like I haven't been in a state of, I mean, you go through the stage, the stages of grief. I air quote it because I don't really believe in the stages because stages to me indicates that there's an end to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the journey of grief ever ends. I think you just learn how to, you know, deal with it and manage it. But, um, I haven't been in that depressive, that sort of depressive state, you know, since my mom transitioned. And like I said, I can only attribute that to God and my mother. Mm. I think that anytime I do get in a place where even I even get close to a thought like that, my mother's up there nudging God, like, hey, get get, get her together, help her mm-hmm. out, you know? So I think they are up there tag te- teaming. Like, that's how I see it now. Like, you know, <laughs> and yeah. not just my, I mean, now it's my mom, my father and my grandmother, you know, mm-hmm. they're all up there tag teaming and working things out for my good. So that's just how I, I see it. And it's, it's interesting because, I used to go actually go into a church so much more. And when my mother first passed, I didn't want to go to church mm. and I didn't want to go to church because not because I was mad at God, but because I knew people were going to ask me, how are you doing? Or they or they were going to like make that face and they did. Yeah. So when I did <laughs> finally go back to church, I just broke down. Cause it's like, okay, just don't do that. <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. just let me come here and be in the word. I'm already going to be emotional. Cause I know y'all are going to sing a song. that's going to sing to my heart. So I already know the emotions are going to flow, but don't add that layer. So for me, it was like, I didn't want to go to church because of that. And then my mother was really deep into the church. So things that I heavily associated with her, I didn't want to do. So like, while I feel like my relationship with God got stronger, I like kind of pushed away from the church. I used to be really like creative, like, Mm -hmm. um, I used to make like waist beads. I used to do resin art and it was something my mother highly encouraged me to do. So like if I was sitting at home and I was talking to her, I'm like, I don't have nothing to do. She'd be like, make some beads or go paint something. (laughs) Like, you know, so when she transitioned, I didn't do any of that. Like I didn't make waist beads. I actually just made my first waist bead this weekend since she's passed. Like, Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I didn't do... Anything, like certain things that reminded me of her, I couldn't bring myself to do it. And, you know, I think me transitioning into this new space that I'm in, because I moved to um, Charlotte a few weeks ago. I think that has really helped me to get, start to, because even being in my my place in Atlanta, my second room, I got, I only got a two bedroom because of her. Like, you know, Mm. that was her space for when she came and visited. So to still be there and know that was her space. And for the longest after she passed, I couldn't sleep in my room. I had to sleep in my guest room, which is where she was. And I felt like it was because her presence was there. Oh, so, this is it's so just, trippy. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was just, it was so many interesting things that like things that I couldn't do, but then things that I could do, like sleeping in, in the bed that she slept in. I couldn't sleep. Like for the first few months, I could not sleep in my room. Mm. Like I, and in my guest room to me, like, my, I mean, my guest room bed was like a full size bed and I had a queen size. I was like, I can't sleep in my yeah, bed. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. So I was like, yeah. I, I have to sleep in here. So I think I needed a new space too. Mm-hmm. And I think that is helpful for me to, you know, it's helpful along the journey, you know, because yeah. I, like I said, I, I believe that this is a journey that I'm going to be on for the rest of my life. There's not one day that goes by that I have not thought about her. And how do you feel about this idea of being on a lifelong journey? 
Well, I think that to some degree, everybody is on a lifelong journey when it comes to something. Like most of us are healing from something. Mm. Like healing is is a journey. And for some things, healing has an end date, but for many things, it doesn't. So I think that, I mean, we're on a journey for continual growth. I mean, I hope so. I hope yeah, nobody wants to just the stay goal. the same. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I think that, you know, life is one big journey. Yeah. Um, I was saying earlier that it's so trippy that you were saying that about the room because I haven't slept. So I live in New York, but my mm-hmm. parents' home is in Pennsylvania where I visit quite frankly, way too often. I'm paying too much money in rent to not be here as much as I'm not here. But I I visit um, home often and I have not slept in my bedroom since I lost my mom either. I sleep in the guest room every time I go home. My bed is relatively untouched. Mm. You know, my room looks pretty much the same as it did the day that my mom passed. And people always ask me why. I have no, I don't know. But I just, there's something about it that I just can't do. The morning, I mean, the day my mom passed, I remember very vividly her coming in my room and waking me up that day. And I just, I don't know. I Maybe that's tied to it, but mm-hmm. it was just so crazy you said that because I'm like, okay, somebody gets it. Like, I can't. I don't know why I can't, but I can't. But energy is important. And of course, the work that you do is heavily rooted in energy. So let's talk a little bit about the work that you do and just mind shifting. Were mm-hmm. you the first patient that you have (laughs) I would say officially yes but um I have been talking about being a a life coach for years a lot of my friends have told me that they could see it being something that I do I had a nonprofit in which I I uh, mentored at-risk girls and a part of that was helping them to understand that their current situation doesn't have to be their final destination Hmm. so understanding that if you ship like the young girls would say things like, well, my my dad had a bad attitude, so I got a bad attitude. And I'm like, mm. no, that's not how it works. Like, <laughs> you're choosing to have a bad attitude. You don't, I mean, it's not hereditary. I mean, you mm. do see it, but yeah. it's something that you're choosing to do and something that you can change. So I've always been an advocate for change. I will say that obviously it's easier said than done. So I was a lot it was a lot easier for me to help other people to change how they thought about things versus myself. But when I think like me actually going through this and, you know, losing my mother and then going to get certified to become a life coach, it did. I I officially was my first client because that was the greatest challenge that I had as it relates to shifting my thoughts. Like, again, thinking that because I'm a Christian and I believe in God and I understand the life cycle that I should be over this and staying in that mindset, I would have continued to be angry. I would have continued to be hurt. Mm. I would continue to just not understand the process of grieving. Like, and I would have been stuck. And then I wouldn't have been able to really give love and receive love in a way God intended me to do. So I would say officially I was my first client but I've always been the type of person to try to help people to see things differently. So shifting is really about surrendering to the process, understanding that healing is a journey, being intentional about that journey and about where you want to go in your life, having faith in that journey and where you want to go in life, and then the transformation process. So that's what is what what I mean by shifting and helping okay. other people to shift how they think. 
Got you. And now knowing what you know now just through your own practice with yourself, with other people, and just your studies, do you think that that's been the thing that's helped you get back to doing the things that you loved since losing your mom? I absolutely attribute it to God and my mom. I literally think that they're best friends in heaven. And anytime <laughs> I go off track, my mom is like, get her together, tapping yeah. them on the shoulder, like, God, get her together. And then my mom is some kind of way whispering to me, like, <laughs> and I just feel her. So I definitely think that because of them, that is why I've, you know, decided to really take life coaching more seriously and helping other people to just be the best version of themselves. Also why I started the podcast, because yeah. again, it's, it's a lifelong journey. Right. <laughs> and it's a lot of us who are on it. And it's something that people just don't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And honestly, sometimes you need to hear other people's story in order to change your own or know what yours could look like, you know? Wow, that is such a beautiful sentiment. I'm like, yes, girl. And I know I'm supposed to be like, <laughs> engaging in the conversation which I am but I'm just looking at you and I just want to start snapping my fingers like poetic poetic (laughs) well (laughs) I felt the good energy between us or the good energy and the like similarities when we first talked so I already knew that this conversation was going to be fruitful for me and I hope that it's just that for you as well oh absolutely absolutely I love when I have people you're in your 30s right Mm -hmm. I love when I have people in their 30s on my show or older, because it's like, damn, y'all give me something to look forward to. I'm a hot ass mess right now, but like maybe one day. But I, you know, I always say, I can't wait till I'm in my 30s. I don't know why. It's just in my mind, it's like some magical time, and I'm gonna just be smarter and wiser like you. But yeah, I'm really enjoying this conversation. And I love this idea of you experiencing your mom spiritually, because I feel like I have as well. And I want to talk a little bit about how you came to the conclusion that that's what that was. So how did you know that it was your mom? Was there a certain instance that happened? You're like, okay, I know this is her. Or were you kind of, you know? I can't say it was a certain instance. I can say that just the calmness that came over me. Like Mm -hmm. I said, I've always kind of been, I'm not going to say a hothead. (laughs) I would say... (laughs) I will say, though, that I have had some opportunities in my life, (laughs) some challenges (laughs) um, in which I was a little bit more aggressive. And, you know, it's still a a journey that I have to be cognizant of and, and intentional about, you know, but I feel just things that would probably sit on me for a long time that I would just like allowed to just disrupt my whole psyche Mm. I don't it doesn't I don't have that anymore it's not to the same extent I'll say that and it's it's just a calmness an unexplainable calmness that at 34 years old I started to experience that I can only attribute it to her because she was like that I mean, my mom, you know, she would have her moments of a little turn up, but (laughs) for the most, she was like the calm to my storm. You know, like I said, anytime I would call her frustrated, now she was my mom. Now, if it was something, somebody doing something to her baby, she, she had my back, (laughs) but she was also the calm to my storm. Like she was able, she was one person who was able to really, she had an impact on me that nobody else did. Like, Mm -hmm. 
you know, I would listen to her. I appreciated what she said to me. Like, you know how you have your friends and and they'll give you some advice and you'll be like, but this, but that. And sometimes I would give her that. But for the most part, like I trusted her 100%. Yeah. And to experience the calmness, like I said, I can't pinpoint a specific situation, but I'm just thinking about just situations in my life now and how I would have been maybe three or four years ago compared to how I am now and how I look at it. And, you know, understanding that, you know, we all have choices to make. Mm-hmm. We all have a life to live. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just, just the intentionality too. It's just mm-hmm. a lot of different things that I'm experiencing on a different level that I didn't experience before. It's yeah. how I knew it was her. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my mom is definitely also much calmer than me. I have a mouth on me and I get a little rowdy sometimes. But my mom, like, and I'm also a very anxious person. And so my mom is always the one who would like, like, like rip me up lovingly <laughs> and pull me yeah. in. And I've had to find that inside myself too, which has also been really difficult, but it has given me, I guess, more of a sense of self because I think before it was like I relied so much on my mom for everything. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, and I am grown, so like not monetarily, but in terms of like emotional support and like mm-hmm. stuff that I really should have been working on within myself, I definitely relied on my mom so much for that. And now I'm having to find it in myself and it's frustrating because it's hard, but I'm also really grateful for that experience because I don't really know if I would have been able to find any sort of sense of self with her here, which is kind of crazy to say out loud. Or maybe I would have, but it would have taken a longer time. You know, I can relate to that um, as far as the emotional support because I feel that my mother was the only person that did that for me. Mm-hmm. And I Same. I look to her for a lot. But what I will say to, just to what you said is you choose your heart, right? So like, I one a couple of things that I practice daily is like, Words have power. So what I say is what is. And if I say something is hard, it's going to be hard. If I say something is easy, it might feel hard, but it's going to get easier. And I also ask myself very often, how do I want to feel? And how, what would my mother think? Hmm. So if, if I ask my, like, if I'm going through something and I feel frustrated, I will literally stop in the middle and say, how do you want to feel? And then asking myself that question helps me to transition what I'm thinking or, you know, think about what I need to do to feel how I want to feel versus how I'm feeling right now. And then if I'm going through something that I know my mom would be like, Angel, what are you doing? (laughs) I ask myself, like, you know, how what will my mom say? And I can literally hear her and what she would say. And that gives me peace. That helps me to, like, choose my heart or choose my easy, you know, so. I hear you when you say that it it's hard, but you saying that makes it so much more harder, you know, mm-hmm. and and I I think that a lot of times we don't recognize or we don't understand that the words that come up come out of our mouth is really what is and what will be. And until we change, we have to change our heart to change our thoughts, to change what comes out of our mouth, to change our actions. So, you know, it all starts with the heart. So it's it's hard work that has to be done for sure. You got me feeling like I need a life coach because you, because <laughs> I, I really like on some real stuff, I have a hard time caring. Like 
when I first lost my mom, I would say like, oh, I don't want to be here. Or like, oh, I want to die. Or like, oh, you know, just the things that come to mind when mm-hmm. you go through something traumatic and tragic. And people mm-hmm. would tell me like, watch what you say, because, you know, it'll come true. But I have a mm-hmm. heart and I'm I admittedly I'm still having a hard time being like, oh, OK, well, like I should I care about that. Like mm. I I'm working really hard to get to a place where I do because I hear you like and I believe it. Mm. I before I my mom passed, I was really heavily into manifesting and, you know, speaking things into existence. And I've seen it with my own eyes, like the way that it happened. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. think that I'm in this like topsy turvy position right now where it's like, oh, yeah, like I do want a great life. But like also, like if I die today, I don't really care. You know, I'm just just to be fully transparent. So I'm mm-hmm. working on it. Thank you for that. I need a life coach. I am in therapy, <laughs> but like, clearly I might need some a little bit. <laughs> you um, know, and, and I understand. I will say that. Um, and I, I mean, you, I say too, like, I don't say like if I die today, then I don't care. But what I will say is that if something were to happen to me, that I'm living my life on purpose, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm, I, I can honestly say that if I wasn't here tomorrow, that these last couple of years, I have like really done things in my life that I didn't imagine me. I mean, I knew I wanted to do it, but I didn't know it was going to happen. You know, being able yeah. to go to Egypt and going to the pyramids was not something that it was something that was on my bucket list, but I'm like, yeah, I'll do that later down. And like, you know, so, yeah. you know, I, I, I again, words matter. So I don't say that I don't care, but if it did happen, I know that I lived the life that I wanted to live with no regrets. See, that's such a better way of saying it. That's what I'm saying. Like I need something a little bit different. Angel, you are amazing and lovely. And this has been such a great conversation, super fruitful for me for a myriad of different reasons. And um, like you reflected that to me earlier, I also hope that you feel the same way. Absolutely. I'm going to, oh, good, good, good. <laughs> well, we're about to wrap it up here. I can't believe our time is already coming to an end. But before I let you go, tell the folks your last words, if you have anything to say that we didn't get to. The only thing that I would say, and I say this a lot, I've said it on my podcast and on my page, you have to feel to heal. Mm. So like the feelings that you are experiencing um, extend yourself grace for those feelings. Anybody who's experiencing grief, like, is you you should feel those things. If you're mad, you're upset, you're angry, you depress, you're depressed. You should feel those things. The key is not staying in that place. Yeah. So figuring out what needs to be done to power through it, whether it be therapy, whether it be a life coach, whether it be you know allowing your friends and family to support you, because a lot of us on a grieving journey don't allow other people to support us or we don't mm-hmm. receive it well. Um, so you know really feeling so you can get to a place of healing and figuring out what you have to do in order to get there Mm, come on okay (laughs) all right last thing shout out the podcast shout out the instagram shout out the book shout out whatever you want to shout out and then i will let you go sure so um the podcast is the grieving journey podcast on instagram We are also on all streaming platforms. We are fairly new, so we only have two episodes that have been released as of right now, but check us out. Rate us. Let us know what you think. (laughs) (laughs) My book is called Fatherless Daughter, A Different Perspective, which can be found on Amazon. It also can be found on my website, which is www.amorellbrown.com. That's A-M-O-R-E-L-Brown.com. 
And then my personal social media is a Morel Brown at on Instagram, Angel Morel Brown on Facebook, and yeah, I think that is it, right? <laughs> Everything. Well, Angel, you yeah. have been amazing. I always like fangirl over the people that I have on this show. And I'm like, I want y'all to all know that this is real. I am really just this hype in general. <laughs> we gonna get this show on the road. But Angel, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope that you guys enjoyed our conversation and took a lot from it. I know I did. That being said, this is Danae with Damn Mom, really? The podcast that everybody wants to listen to and nobody wants to be on. I'll see you guys in a couple of days. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave us a review and a comment. It's super, super helpful to us. And as promised, there's a relaxing cool down slash guided meditation by Liliana Rasmussen coming up in five, four, three, two. Welcome to this guided meditation session to create a safe place for you. Chronic pain can be very hard to handle, but many times when we create a mental image of our suffering, we tend to aggravate this pain, thus increasing it. Then every time we feel the sensation, we will have a negative thought attached to it on a conscious and subconscious level. So what this meditation will teach you are techniques to change the mental image that has been created from this pain and instead implement a peaceful association with pleasant visualizations that create a warmer bonding between you and your body's sensations. This allows you to accept and allow instead of fight and push away. Make sure you're in a very comfortable position. Sit down or lay down if that feels good for you, however you need to position yourself so that none of your muscles are activated or tense. Every part of your body can rest and feel completely relaxed during this meditation. Begin by taking five deep breaths to relax even more. One, full breath in and let it go. Two, fully inhale and exhale. Three, breathe in as much as you can and let it go, feeling a wave of relaxation come over you. Four, Inhale deeply and exhale, feeling invigorated. Five, last one, fully inhale and exhale, feeling any tension loosen up and your body feeling extremely relaxed. Good. And just allow your breath to slow and flow naturally now. Don't try to change anything about it. Just notice the calmness that these five breaths gifted you. Notice how your body breathes without you doing anything at all. Begin to feel any sensations that you associate with your pain. Bring them into your awareness and allow these feelings to multiply. You're completely safe and secure. It's okay to allow these sensations to arise. They will not harm you. Put all of your focus on these areas. Really feel their exact position and the quality of the sensations. What's the pain like for you? Is it stinging, tingling, or burning? Perhaps it's like something else. In your mind, describe every detail and then sit with it. Be entirely with it while it presents itself. Don't do anything about it except feel it. Allow the sensations to grow and don't stop them. Just see what they do. Notice the details of changes the sensations make. Good. You're doing so well. Now switch your focus and bring into your mind's eye a visual of a place you love to go or have been to that is very serene and peaceful for you. It could be an imaginary place, like on top of a gorgeous mountain, or somewhere you frequently go, like a nearby nature path. Your favorite place could be as simple as your warm, cozy bed next to a loved one. Wherever this place is for you, see it vividly right now. 
Start by visualizing all the physical aspects of this place. Where are you? What do you see when you look up? If you're outside, it could be the sky. If you're in a safe room somewhere, it could be the ceiling. Notice everything you see when you look up. Now look down and at your feet. What does the ground look like below you? Gaze all around this favorite place of yours, making the colors bright and vivid. Make out even more details now, like the leaves on the trees and plants, or the things that are placed around the room. Do you notice any patterns anywhere? They could be patterns in nature, like the way things grow, or the patterns of fabrics and objects in a room. Notice every pattern you can find in great detail. The more details you can imagine, the better. How dark or light out is it? What time of the day do you think it is? And make a judgment about the placement of the sun in the sky. Which way is the light of the sun coming into your imagination? Look at all of the beautiful things that make this place so enjoyable for you. Use your visual creativity of this place for the next several moments. Nice. Now you are going to bring about the sensations this beautiful spot offers. Start by tapping your feet on the ground. Is the surface hard or soft? Feel the ground below you here with your feet, noticing anything you can about it. Become aware of the temperature in this place. Is it cool or warm or hot? Is there a breeze blowing or is the air calm and still? Can you feel the sun on your skin? Sit with these sensations for a few moments and enjoy them. Are there any smells here? If you're imagining the beach, maybe you can smell the salty air, or if you're in a forest, the smell of nature. Just notice how your sense of smell can create sensations of aromas for you when you put your mind to it. What about sounds? Bring fully into this experience any sounds that surround you here. Perhaps you hear a loved one nearby. Perhaps you're alone and you can hear the sounds that nature creates for you. Vividly hear any sounds in this experience. Sit with these senses activated for a few moments and begin to interact with your environment. Great. To relax even further, become aware of what you're doing here. Are you sitting down and relaxing or walking around and exploring? Are you doing exactly what you love and want to do? See yourself being completely relaxed and happy here. There's no need to do anything here but relax and enjoy it. Be assured that this place is always here for you to keep you safe if you need to flee from pain. Take another slow and deep breath in. And as you exhale, you feel at complete peace with yourself and all the sensations in your body. As I speak these words to you, you are changing the mental images associated with your pain. Whenever you feel overwhelmed by the sensations in your body, repeat this exercise to accept the pain and change the thoughts associated with it. When you use this technique, you will stop the pain from becoming aggravated and growing stronger. When you vividly visualize a safe and peaceful place in moments of distress, you are slowing down your pulse and blood pressure, creating a peaceful and strong connection to your body and mind. Allow yourself to slowly become aware of your surroundings, and whenever you're ready, open your eyes, ready to go about your day peacefully.